They don't use like the chilies that are mild either. They don't f around with that. Super Rica is the perfect name for the restaurant. It's super rich and, and just. I thought you meant like super rich, like cost wise, but it's like Ooh. flavor. Flavor. Actually, most, most things on the menu are like $350. It's a trip. Oh, wow. Welcome to Conversation on Tap, a new podcast that seeks to promote intelligent dialogue in an age of echo chambers and self-segregation. Pull up a stool, pour a glass of tasty beer, and join us each week as we talk about all the topics you were told not to discuss in polite company. My name is Jose. And I'm Joel. This week, we will reflect on the last nine episodes of our show and kind of catch up on how things have changed since then. But first, let's talk about what we have on tap. So this week, we have a, an assortment of spirits here. Yeah, um, I got this idea that we'll rummage through the fridge and find all the leftover beers from our past episodes. And we actually have about five, and one is... I'm going to be substituting, because lagers are all taste the same, for the Santa Maria lager that we had, I think, in our first episode. But first, we're drinking Fig Mountain Zero to Sexy. It's a golden coffee ale. It's and so I, good. Yeah, didn't we? I, if we didn't have it, we had Lizard's Mouth, but I think we had an assort, assortment of Fig Mountain beer, either in the first or second episode. It was early so, on. Yeah, we're revisiting. It's super good. Oh, I love this Zero to Sexy. It's it's this delicious coffee just mm. enriched. But and it's got Ale. a lager looking um, very light, mm-hmm. and, but it's got a coffee stoutish flavor. It's really amazing. So we have yeah the Modelo, which is standing in for our lager, and then what is that? There's a Santa Maria um, brew lager we had, I think, in the first episode. Yeah, I forget and what it's it called. Uh, Calamexi or Calavesa? Oh, yeah. Calavesa. Calavesa. Yeah, this is getting right. pretty popular, and it's got a, a really interesting flavor. It's so good. And then we have the Kona Longboard, the the Island Lager, and then we have another IPA here, Lagunitas. That's that real heavy brown brown, uh, brown sugar, sugar stuff. And then we've got one more Nitro Merlin. Oh, I'm so happy. Should have that last. That was so good. Cheers. Cheers. Beautiful. All right. Drink, drink, drink. Two hearts that will love one only when I am the one. Here's a hope that those soft ones with wine. And now for the segment of our show that we call Fred Talks. In this segment of our show, Jose and I will each share... One thing that we are passionate about for two minutes, although we tend to be bit loquacious, so that isn't a strict time limit. This week, I'm going to discuss cryptocurrency because I'm really fascinated by it, especially since my son, my youngest son, who's a computer lover, started using his own computer, which kind of ticks me off because... Well, to mine cryptocurrency, I think he's mining Ethereum, and I think that's one of the main cryptocurrencies. The main cryptocurrency, of course, is Bitcoin. That's what started it all, right? Mm -hmm. And um, he's using – so you mine cryptocurrency by solving problems, by having your computer solve super difficult problems online. And there's many, many, maybe millions, but for sure thousands of computers around the world doing this and the thing about it that I thought of for myself which kind of ticked me off is that you could spend more money on the electricity
complexity oh. um, of your computer working on this problem, yeah. then you'll get out of eventually mining that uh, cryptocurrency, right. or in this case, uh, I think it's Ethereum. And so I think he stopped because he it never worked. But he was I was really actually proud of him for actually getting into it because I think it's really interesting. Although, is there any <laughs> like stock that is this, um, what's it called when stocks go up and down? Oh, like volatile? I don't yeah, know. volatile. Yeah, you're... Yeah, you are an absolute <laughs> economist businessman. Somewhere. Yeah, I mean, they've gone up by seriously thousands of percent in the last year or two, and then they've gone down recently, and it's just a crazy world right now. I think it'll eventually stabilize in five to ten years, but right now we're in the wild west of cryptocurrencies. What do you know about crypto- cryptocurrencies? I literally don't know anything, except my cousin bought a Bitcoin. We received a Bitcoin, I guess. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. One. Mm-hmm. And he was he sold it for like a hundred bucks, but then since then I think it reached oh. a high of like ten thousand dollars. Yeah, so he was kicking himself. Oh, that's just sucks. So like, there's this rapper I can't remember who it was. Oh, Fifty Cent. Oh yeah, Fifty Cent. So he had, had a bunch of, uh, I think it was Bitcoin. Yeah, that he didn't realize he had or he forgot he had, and then he's like, oh yeah, I got this stuff. And he was like, he had millions of dollars that he didn't know about. It's so funny. In Bitcoin. Yeah. I, <laughs> Why did he get it? I never read I the article. I have no idea. So funny. But anyway, so real quick, because I don't know a bunch about this, but um, the greatest asset of cryptocurrencies is this new idea. It's a new, mm, I guess it's a technology and um, an ability called blockchain, (laughs) which the people who are in the know about blockchain say it's going to change the world. It's going to cut out a lot of middlemen. Like it's going to allow us to have really, really solid contracts between each other and without any middlemen contracts that can't be changed. You know how we use Google docs, right? right. That's like a blockchain because those Google docs get copied millions of times on all these different servers. Mm -hmm. And it, it, I guess it it supports the um, strength and the um, inability to duplicate that to steal it and stuff like that, which makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So it, blockchains it, are, are going to totally change the world, and cryptocurrency is a big part of that. I, yeah, that's totally fascinating because I don't, I don't even understand it. So mm-hmm. interesting. I'll have to I didn't in, investigate that further. Yeah, I didn't tell my son, and I'm at the very, I'm at the infancy, but that's it's such an interesting subject. So what are you? Um, going to talk about this week. I've, I'm always so interested. Are you going to get back into religion or no? I'm a little bit. I'll, okay. Yeah. Good. So Pope Francis on Monday, so April 9th, is going to be releasing his third apostolic exhortation. What is an apostolic exhortation? I know what exhortation means. He's right. going to try to motivate people to do something. Exactly. So it's his third one. And um, actually, by the time this airs, um, it'll already have been released. Okay. So I'll probably be reading it. <laughs> Cool. By the time you're hearing this. Yeah. But it, what makes it apostolic is it comes from um, the Pope, basically, right? comes down okay. through that line of... The um, apostles. The apostles. So it'll be titled Gaudete et Exultate, Rejoice and Be Glad. Oh. Subtitled On the Call to Holiness in the Contemporary World. Rejoice and Be Glad comes from the... Gospel of Matthew, after the Beatitudes. And basically what Pope Francis is doing is he's calling all people to holiness. And no one knows what it's about. 
We just know the title and we know the date. But holiness generally means trying to live a very sinless life, a very pure life, right? Yes. Um, what are your guesses? Do you have guesses? So I have, I have a pretty decent guess. So the universal call to holiness goes back to the Second Vatican Council's documents. I think it's, but it goes back to, I think, Lumen Gentium, Light of the World. But all people are called to holiness, Christians of all stripes, but also believers in different faith traditions and atheists as well. So I, I think he's going to be calling everyone to live lives that are modeled after Christ, that are holy in the sense that you reflect God's love. Because I think a lot of people think, oh, so if you're holy or if you're going to live out of vocation, right, you must be a nun, you must be a priest, some kind of religious, uh, someone who belongs to a religious order. But I think what he's going to talk about is Every person, whether they're a teacher or a nurse or a doctor, a podcaster, like every person basically can live a life of holiness. Right on. And even for atheists, and I'm so certain that he's going to include atheists in this as well. Uh, I might be wrong, but it's just my guess. But It would be along his lines. It would be. So basically, even though a person doesn't believe in God, they can nonetheless listen to that still small voice in their head, right? Their conscience that tells them, you know, to to live out their life in love. Yeah. Right? And that's true of Christians, for sure. Because, you know, we hear that voice. We might, we don't, we don't dismiss that as just like a conscience or whatever. We would say, yes, it's a conscience, but it's God speaking to us through our conscience, Mm -hmm. right? So I think that's what he's going to talk about. Oh, that'll be fun. A universal call. what day was that coming up? So April 9th, that's Monday. Right on. So let's just get right into what we'll try to keep short because this is our amazingly our 10th episode and that all owes to Jose's hard, hard work. I want to thank you right now oh, no, uh, because you do all the editing and I love all the amazing snippets of songs and um, pop um, culture that you put into our podcast makes it so fun. Oh, so our first episode, which has got a lot going for, I mean, it, it, there's several stuff that is several things that have happened since um, we first aired. Me too. One thing I want to talk about a little bit was the fact that I don't think that Oprah had given her talk um, when that first aired, and it was powerful. So go out, please, and listen to Oprah talk. I think it was the Oscars, or was it Oscars? Um, yeah. yeah, and it was so powerful and. Well said. So I want tonight to express gratitude to all the women who have endured years of abuse and assault because they, like my mother, had children to feed and bills to pay and dreams to pursue. And I think after that, that's when all these calls for her to be uh, candidate for president <laughs> happened. But she's like, no, I'm not going there. But um, And then I think Frances McDormand uh, did a little bit on the Me mm-hmm. Too movement. So many of you know, I keep my politics private. <laughs> but I, uh, it was really great to be in this room tonight and to be a part of the tectonic shift in our industry's power structure. Trust me. The women in this room tonight are not here for the food. We are here for the work. Thank you. 
a lot of the award shows. And one of the interesting things about the award shows in Me Too is that none or very few men mm -hmm. stepped into that. And I was disappointed because I don't feel like men can't talk about right. this issue. I wish they would. And there were a few brave souls who said, yeah, I totally support them. But beyond that, nothing. And that's the thing. I think some men feel like they want to. Yeah. But then those men who maybe will pipe in with, hey, like I support you, they might get snapped back at. Shot so if you look at like Ben Affleck or like Matt yeah. Damon, yeah. they tried speaking up in defense of the, the Me Too thing yeah. and they were shot down. Yeah. Like Rose McGowan was like, hey, f you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, Ben isn't the Affleck that got into trouble. It's his brother, right? Well, and I think Casey Affleck got in trouble too. But Ben Affleck had tweeted out like, dang it, Harvey Weinstein, like, I told you to stop this. I told you to stop doing that. And then everyone was like, why don't you, well, yeah. why don't you do anything? You're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Yeah, yeah so just shut your mouth. Don't say yeah. anything, basically. Yeah, I think that, um, I think that there's going to be a, a time period where men just shut up. And then, that might be good because it's more mansplaining. <laughs> That's right. what our episode was called Mansplaining the right. Me Too Movement. Which is perfect. I think at a certain point, men just have to <laughs> listen. Listen, exactly. Yeah. We and we talked about white privilege before. Well, there's you know male privilege. Yeah, right. Right, and so I think at a certain a certain point, we have to just go. Okay, well, we have totally screwed this up. Let's just sit back and listen to all the women who've been you know victimized, if you will, by our dominance of so many sectors of society. Yeah. And I and I know I know sexism isn't exactly the same as sexual assault, but I mean that is prevalent. I was just I was doing some research on this earlier, and the Catholic magazine America conducted a survey of women in the church, and they were asked all kinds of questions. And one interesting data point that I found was that only ten percent of women in the church had experienced sexism, oh. which is a great number. Not to toot our own horns, but the church in the last 20 years, as you know, with all the sexual abuse crisis and everything, has been trying to do a complete 180. That sounds so low to me. But it's super low. Yeah. And when you look at like the teaching profession, for example, 50% of women, according to one study, said they experienced sexism. I was looking at a tech website, and they said 90% of women felt they've been victims of sexism. Yeah. Look at you look at business, any industry. There's gonna be a pretty high percentage of sexism. So it's probably somewhere between 10% and, and the uh, the other industries um, numbers. Don't you think? I mean, that's a fairly conservative. Is it a conservative mm -hmm. magazine or no, not necessarily? This is a, the, the American magazines considered pretty is liberal. That, is that the Jesuit? Um, yes. Okay. Well, yeah. And they're pretty. They're considered liberal. I don't know. Well, that's but, pretty. So the reason hard. why. Why they say that is because I don't think people realize that, you know, when you look at a church, you see the priests. Or you look at the church, you see, you know, the bishops and cardinals and the pope, and they're all male. Right. But when you look at a parish, oh, women totally, run, totally women. run it. Yeah. And I think that's probably mm -hmm. the reason why that's cool. it's women run. Yeah. Um, and sort of along those lines is a stat that it's kind of interesting because Pew, which just is such a great organization for surveys, oh, yeah. just came out with um, a uh, survey on women's beliefs and women's attitudes towards the whole Me Too 
movement and 63% were concerned about false accusations. And a lot of them were actually relating it to their own husbands and sons. Oh, wow. And they also said that the whole, remember how we talked about Ansari and that whole business? Mm -hmm. That that whole thing was a huge source of concern for a lot of them. And that was especially in, I guess, Pew does a bunch of focus groups, uh, a big um, issue in the focus groups. Really? Women saying, yeah, this was, you know, it could have been horrible and it could have been um, just regular everyday, you know, I don't know, um, just an everyday hookup. A so, hookup that went wrong. And we talked about that whole hookup culture problem mm-hmm. and the fact that hookup culture definitely, um, I guess it promotes um, this type of situation where people are going to get into trouble and, and have and be confused as to mm-hmm. what people want in the relationship. And, and so uh, it goes along with the idea that, that it's not as anti-male as as some people maybe make it out to be. Right. I think when you're looking at some cases like Aziz Ansari and we had talked about Garrison Keillor, right? Yeah. There are instances where an individual from their subjective perspective could interpret things in one way that the other person didn't intend. Yeah. So I think that's where you kind of get into a gray area. But if you have overt sexual assaults, like in the Harvey Weinstein cases, yeah, that should be condemned. But then when you get into those gray areas where it's just a difference of expectations or a difference in like how different things are perceived, I think that's when you get into to troubled waters. Yeah. I don't feel like since our first episode, a whole lot has changed, no. though, as far as the attitudes. And I think that most women and most men are pretty much optimistic about the fact that it's changed society for the good. It has. And I think since our recording, there haven't been any major outings. outings. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that means all the major ones are done with? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. No, I, I thought that there'd be a huge outing in the, like, the business world. Mm-hmm. I thought there'd be an outing in, because it seems to happen in industries, like right. I, in the computing industry, I thought there'd be like all these major tech guys that um, were outed, but it hasn't happened, yeah. so I don't think that it will, because it would by now. Now, for immigration, which was our second episode, oh, yeah. there's been a ton yes. of um, movement, and um, just recently, Trump said DACA is dead. Right. Introducing the Game of Life, DACA Edition. Only dreamers get to jump through bureaucratic hoops, duck from ICE officers, and work three jobs just to get by. Okay, so what are the rules? It says here you gotta get papers. Okay, uh, how do I get papers? It's fun. You'll wander aimlessly down the path to citizenship, but do it fast or you'll get sent back to Honduras. Back to? I've never been to Honduras. Surprise, you were brought here as a baby. But he is so, so two-faced. He says one thing, and on the other hand, I just read that uh, his administration has approved tens of thousands of DACA renewals mm-hmm. and uh, first-time applicants. And so it's right. like he's saying DACA's dead for his base. Right. And on the other hand, he's he's accepting all these applications. It's just, like, weird. But, but think, of course, right? Because that's Trump. But I think he's saying that because he's ignorant. He doesn't know that. <laughs> what's going on in his what's own going administration. On in, his, in his own but don't you think he's also saying that just to get reelected? Oh, I think he's. I he's think he has that. He has that dog whistle. Yeah. Approach where he's saying that his base. So, do you think a man who's serving this country, who's an active member of the military, do you think he should be treated like this? First off, the little girl cannot be deported. I think she should be deported. She needs to go back to her own country 
and work on fixing your own country. If she wants to come over legally, that's his responsibility to figure out how she's going to get back here. When she that's was brought here, the minute she came over that border, overstay, however she is, illegal. Okay? She's in violation of the Strike Constitution, one. no matter how it is. I'm, I'm telling you. She did nothing wrong. She was a baby. But then people who are like the bureaucrats in his administration are, of course, they're approving all these renewals. Right. But even though he, but he doesn't know because he's so ignorant. And, and where the rubber hit, hits the road, that's not his forte at all. At all. Yeah, he has no idea about the weeds. And that's the thing. So thankfully we have a court system in place yeah. that was able to say, no, 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 you can't just end DACA because yeah. you, know, you want to. Yeah, right? no, I, I think we touched on it before, but the fact that Trump used, I don't want to say racist language, but definitely biased language mm -hmm. in his election um, campaign. They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some... I assume are good people. Um, has totally played into these court cases. I think we touched on that in the, 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 the earlier judge, episode. Yeah. yeah. But so you have a situation where Trump is, and we talked about this in that episode. Trump is saying, okay, I'll give you DACA, but you have to give me money for the wall. Yeah. And we talked about this. We're like, yeah. maybe it's worth it. That's maybe it's a, worth it. Okay. I'm still, I think at that in that episode, I was like, let's do it. But now he wants to send troops to the border. Yes. And it's just so over the top. It is. So I was looking into that. This is the thing. He's so ignorant. He doesn't know anything. Yeah. And he's malicious. So when he said that, I thought, that's you can't do that. That's literally unconstitutional. You can't send the military. Yeah, there's... Because there's... The I think it's like the posse comitus There it is, law. yeah. That's what you I'm saying. You cannot use the military on, on domestic soil. Right. Well, I looked into it, and because he's ignorant, like I said, the people around him clarified, no, 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 no. We're talking about using the National Guard. Okay. So you can use the National Guard for that, to go to the border. And okay. President Bush and President Obama have both used the National Guard for those reasons, but to support border patrol. So oh. they were in support capacities. Okay. So if Trump were to use them for enforcement of immigration, he would be stepping, Over I think, the beyond the line. Yeah. And so that, I think that would become a legal issue if he were to try that, to do that. That's the other thing, too, is when you use the National Guard. So, for example, if Trump sends the National Guard to our border here in um, California, yeah. our governor would be responsible for those troops. And it would never happen. Who gets the final say? It would be Governor Brown. Right. That's interesting. Uh, the other day, Trump was in West Virginia, and he actually tossed his speech in the air. This, Literally. I mean, what a cliche. Mm -hmm. and, and, and totally switched from whatever topic to he was talk about taxes. taxes, yeah, to immigration. Mm -hmm. And he's claiming that um, Democrats are um, pushing for illegal immigrants. Um, he used the Uzbek terrorists in New York who killed a bunch of New York uh, seven, I think, New Yorkers um, to claim that uh, Democrats want America to be the land of terrorists and the land where we have no control of our borders, which is just over the top. Well, because when you look at overall immigration, it's actually declining. Right. It's not rising right. for a reason. And it all depends on Mexico's economy. True. And I think that's another area that we need to focus on is you know, if we help lift up Mexico's boats, if you mm -hmm. will, people will want to stay there. But there's such corruption in Mexico. There's so much disparity in wealth. Mm-hmm. 
that people are hopeless. And of course, they're looking to the United States as the land of opportunity and hope. And in Trump's eyes and in his supporters' eyes, they're coming here to take advantage of our if, uh, if, if benefits or whatever. You, if you were in Mexico poor and you could probably make it to the United States and make so mm-hmm. much for your own family and your own kids, would you do it? Oh, hell yeah. I would do it in a heartbeat. It wouldn't even be close. I mean, people shouldn't be surprised that this is happening. And I take sh- it as a compliment, actually. I, of course. I mean, we're... And we all benefit so much from the reduction in so many services we get from hard, hard-working Mexicans that come over. So And Central Americans. We always forget Central Americans. True. I took my wife to the doctor um, yesterday morning in San Luis Obispo, which is about 30 minutes north of Santa Maria. And we left at like 6 o'clock in the morning. And when we're driving up the 101, I looked out at all the fields. Yeah. And at 6 o'clock in the morning, yep. there were these Mexican field workers. And I wondered, how many of them are here legally, right? It's got to be a huge percentage. And then how many of them get treated like crap? How many of them are living in the in the darkness. How many of them are living in terrible conditions? How many of them, their employers could say, oh, we're not going to pay you right. because we don't have to. If mm-hmm. you decide to argue, and they could actually, and they have won before, but they're right. afraid to. Um, we're just going to say, well, you're, you're undocumented. We're not going to, yeah, yeah, pay bye. you. Get out of here. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. And it's funny because Trump's big speech was all about how Democrats want undocumented immigrants because they vote um, Democrat. And so I I thought that was probably true. And it is true. So I went online, and there's Pew again. 31% identify as Democrats. These are recent immigrants. Uh, Some of them, many, if not all, I can't remember what the the, um, Pew uh, survey was, Um, 31% identify as Democrats. 4% as Republicans. So, Mm -hmm. are Democrats doing it for political reasons? Yes. I mean, you have to believe. But the question is, is it right or wrong? Mm -hmm. Okay? And and that's the more important question to me. And I think that... I don't know. Of course, there's... There's double dealing and, and, and you know, just thinking about your own party. But I think that Democrats are on the right side of, of history on this, on this one. Well, they are. And I think it's, I think you could look at that cynically and say, well, they're only doing it for votes. But then on the other hand, you could look at it and say, okay, maybe they are. But are they doing the right thing? Are there other benefits besides that? So, I mean, they could be like double dealing. They could be saying, yeah, we're getting the votes, but we're also doing this for these people. This is the American tradition anyway. So, I mean, it's really moot. The The American tradition is a new generation of immigrants comes to our nation and the previous generation of immigrants discriminates against them. Yeah. And um, so in that speech you mentioned earlier, Trump again resurrected the the lie that millions of illegal immigrants voted. Yeah. Because in many places, like California, the same person votes many times. You probably heard about that. They always like to say, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. Not a conspiracy theory, folks. Millions and millions of people. And it's very hard because the state guards their records. They don't want to see it. That has been disproven over and over and over again. And he keeps repeating it. But his followers, his, his, his Trump bots, don't ever think for themselves. So Trump, when he makes that claim, he's actually referencing InfoWars, a conspiracy <laughs> website run by Info Alex Wars. Jones. I'm so 
scared of people that believe in that. They there are, are a lot such. Of I know. I saw uh, several trucks. Mm-hmm. They all seem to be trucks. I don't know. This well, is there's bad a correlation me, but, there. Uh, with Infowars bumper stickers and like, are you serious? And and so what fake news, which we should have a whole episode on this, does is they say they spew fake news at the same time as saying the real news mm-hmm. is fake news. It's True. such a potent and evil like system that they've got going. Well, if you look at Alex Jones, he just went through a divorce, and in the court proceedings, he even the the his I guess his wife's um, lawyer was saying, well, he shouldn't have those kids in the custody battle because he's crazy. Look at all the stuff he says oh, on the show. yeah, and that's actually Tenable's uh, position. And then Alex Jones and his lawyer said, well, you know, this is all for entertainment purposes. Oh. So he's then man. To, so even Dude. Alex Jones in the court of law is saying, Why don't believe what I'm saying. This is all entertainment. Why can't we get these people who are buying into this? But I feel like the people who are buying into that stuff just really have an axe to grind. There's something right. in their lives that they just, they've been screwed in some fashion or other, mm-hmm. and they just, they they aren't thinking logically. They, they, they don't know how to get to the truth. They don't. And so they turn to scapegoats like immigrants. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's easy to use anti-immigration language to suck these people in. Yep. So you talked about bots earlier, mm-hmm. about a minute ago, and is let's get into gun control. That's our third episode. And the fact that when Laura Ingraham oh, got, uh, or took a vacation because um, <laughs> she definitely, you don't talk shit mm-hmm. about kids who just went through a traumatic experience. And when she did talk shit, about them like so many other fools she decides to apologize which is good for her and then take a vacation and then all these Russian bots speaking of fake news yep. um, they've proven have um, been um, supporting her mm-hmm that's so. That is a real clear indication of, of how Russia and how foreign influence is, is brainwashing Americans. Totally. But Americans, so for example, I talked to someone recently, I won't say who, who basically said, you're telling me that a Russian bot persuaded me to vote for Trump. So, and then it's like, then you listen and you talk to the person. Well, do you believe this? Well, yeah. Do you believe this? Yeah. Wow. Guess what? Those are all conspiracy theorists, yeah. all conspiracy theories promoted by these Russian bots and fake Facebook accounts. Yeah. And they became viral. You believed all that. So you can tell me that a bot didn't persuade you to vote for Trump, but they did. We have a real problem with truth in the United States. We mm-hmm. really do. And... I think in education, um, we need to totally get into this. And we are starting to, but uh, we need to totally get into how do you get to truth? How do you you believe the evidence? Mm -hmm. What are some of the signs that it's false? What are the signs that it's it's, uh, believable? I just saw a Washington Post article saying that public school students couldn't tell the difference between fact and, and fiction. Fact and fake news. It was yeah. like 50-50. Oh, I totally, That's sad. I totally believe it, and it's just it's frustrating. So you have all these bots out there, then, who are trying to come to Laura Ingram's defense. Oh, poor Laura Ingram. Such a snowflake, right? She can't handle pushback from a 17-year-old. Right. So you have all these Russian bots on there coming to her defense, attacking these Parkland students. Like, yeah. I'm a, like there's... It's gone viral on Facebook, this video of this... this um, 
teenager Emma Gonzalez, who's been a, one of the leaders of this of this um, March for Our Lives movement. Yeah, she was on 60 Minutes. She is amazing. She is so well spoken. She is, and there's this, there was a viral video going around showing her ripping up the Constitution. Right. Well, someone clearly hit, had edited that video, and what she was ripping up was a was a gun target. Of course. But don't try to tell that to you know one of these gun nuts. They don't care. We all have. I have uncles. I have close close friends who believe that Obama was Kenyan. I mean, of course. Yeah. When that 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 was like the start of it, mm-hmm. and and if you can't um, convince people that that's a lie, what what is our recourse? Well, I watched on on Netflix. I watched a documentary called um, Trump: An American Dream, and you got to watch it. It's like a four or five part series, and that was one of the topics was how he deliberately lied about the birth certificate. And then once President Obama put out the long-form birth certificate, which, by the way, was available at any time, all someone had to do was go to the you know Hawaiian Office of Records or whatever mm-hmm. and check it out. But they released it to the public. And Trump's like, I'm going to take a look at it, okay? And you said your investigators told you it was missing or it wasn't there. Excuse me. What was that based Excuse on? Excuse me. Very simple. I have people looking into it. Now I don't have to have the people. I can call them back. I hope. I mean, I haven't seen this, and I'm sure that a lot of experts but if they will told, analyze it. Would you it. ever pay them? If, they told, if, they, if, if serious people told you it was missing or not there, here it is. Would I is. pay them? I don't know. Maybe I'll let you negotiate well, for some me. Some people okay? think you just make I can that say up, this, though. Let me just tell you. I don't make up anything. Let me tell you something. I have done a great service to the American people. And then he went out and started saying about how well it could have been faked, you know, it was it could have been, you know, manipulated. Yeah. That's what they do. It's a scary time. This is I, I mean there are so many instances where I pointed out to my sons and they're like, "Wow. Yeah, we are in crazy times." Mm-hmm. So our episode on gun control was right before the Parkland um, shooting, and yes. man, have things changed since then. So I was I went back and listened to some parts, and there's one part of the episode where I ask, what is it going to take? Yeah. How many students are going to have to be killed? Yep. yep. And then a few days that. later. It, it, it's, it was... And it's happening, though. Horrible. Yeah, but you know what? I feel like, do you think this is going to stick? Or is, is, I think it is. I do, too. And these kids are heroes. They're just saying, you know what? We can make a difference. And they are making a difference. Mm-hmm. And uh, what was the law just recently changed? No bump stocks in Florida. Right. It um, And the age, I think, went up to 21. Mm-hmm. For um, Was it for all guns or just automatic guns? It might have been I'm not sure off the check. But anyway, things have changed already. Which is, we never um, argued for a full-on disallowance of guns. We always argued for for the middle here on this show that we're all into that and that's all we're getting and it it proves that things can happen which is it's it's a beautiful thing that's happening right now with those Parkland heroes and then the whole march in Washington that's great so that march on D.C. attracted 800,000 people oh the pictures were crazy and and what you should do is compare the picture of the March for Our Lives rally to the Trump inauguration day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You <laughs> it's know what? pretty funny. I always go to um, right-leaning um, online publications, and I went to Drudge, like mm-hmm. I do almost every day, and he says, the march on Washington was way less attended than they expected. It was huge. It was almost and a million. It, it was just an embarrassment to that website that they put that 
as a huge headline. Yes. And and just goes to show how corrupt that all these right-leaning publications are. They're intellectually bankrupt. They are and morally embarrassing. Just people go and look at the evidence. Exactly. It's, it's shocking. But I so I'll say this. I have been so impressed with our young people, mm. the millennials, right? Mm. And they have really stepped up where our generation has let them down, mm-hmm. right? I blame our generation for allowing Trump. Yep. I blame our generation for not doing anything on gun control. And these kids are not old enough I to vote. I feel like we're, we're the wussy generation for not getting it done. And they're the so. ones that are saying, beep that, you know? Exactly. We're going to get out there and we're going to make a change. And they are. And it, they're confronting Fox News pundits like Laura Ingram. They're out there confronting NRA spokespeople like that crazy woman. Or right. Nugent. That guy, Ted Nugent. that he is a spokesman mm-hmm. for the NRA, should oh. make everybody who's involved in the NRA just run for the hills. He, he's embarrassing. He said that those kids had no souls. Yeah. Because they wanted to restrict um, access to bump stocks or assault weapons. And that, that's so evil to me. What is wrong with and with people who say this? And I, you know, I go online, I look at Facebook, even people in our own community, because, you know, our public schools here in Santa Maria, we, we really encourage our students to participate in the walkout. What was it, March 14th? Yeah, that was a great, great experience. And so many conservative-leaning parents who love their guns more than their children said, how gross, how disgusting are the public schools? The kids are the ones who are leading the charge here. Right. All the schools did was we created a safe place for them to express themselves. Yeah, I'm glad we're getting into this because, first of all, it wasn't pro-gun. I mean, anti-gun at all. It was all pro-victim. Yes. And this idea, all right, we can't even talk about the victims Mm -hmm. of gun violence and this crazy gun culture we have in the United States because we're scared of stepping on the toes of gun rights um, people. That's nutty. So Mm -hmm. we did it very, very elegantly, and we talked... We had a bunch of signs out there with the victims' names on it. And we just talked about the fact that this has got to change. Is that overstepping our bounds? No. And honestly, it was our students who were the ones who were speaking. Right. We had a moment of silence, and we had students read each one of the names of the victims. And then we had a few students who read, I think one read a poem, and then a couple students read some brief statements. But... Oh, it was powerful. It was not teachers out there yeah. promoting a liberal agenda. It wasn't the school. But that's what is being promoted by the far right. Exactly. And I think it's disgusting that these people go out there and they'll attack our kids, but then at the same time demean them. Oh, go eat, go eat a Tide Pod, kid. So it's like, what do you want? Yeah, you I know, think... Uh, again, the kids are promoting something. They're passionate, and they're just putting them down, insulting them. They're being bullies. Right. And their cue is coming from Trump. Right. And Fox News and, and Fox the full News. far right. I don't know how we get out of this because the people that are into that stuff are so zombie-ish. Mm-hmm. You know, they just, they're they're unthinking. You can't tell them anything. And so, I don't know. I just, I'm so worried about this next next election. I'm, I just, it, it's going to be, to me, the, the telling tale on, on where we are as a country. I have a feeling it's going to be awesome, but if it's not, it's going to be scareball. I think we've had some special elections that point to mm-hmm. a democratic wave. I don't want to jinx it because we both predicted that Trump would not even win the Republican nomination, let alone presidency, but yeah, I, no. it sounds, it seems like based on 
the energy, the momentum that there's going to be a wave. Yep. And this whole idea that, well, I guess the, that this shooting was a hoax was was oh. a big thing afterwards. And that happens every time there's any kind of shooting. There's and there's a boatload of people. Now, when I say boatload, I'm I'm saying it's like ten or twenty percent mm-hmm. of the American population. If you do surveys, who actually believe it? To me, even though that's low, that's a shocking shocking percentage of that's people the, who believe this stuff. That's the dark side of the internet. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so there's a video that Vox put out, and maybe I'll link it in the show notes, but they followed these two InfoWars, Alex Jones enthusiasts, and they went to the church where there were 26 people killed. I forget where, I think it was down in Texas. And they went to this church, and they harassed the pastor and said, you're lying, show us the bodies. Wow. And the guy's like, my own daughter was seriously injured, and she's still in the hospital, and you're telling me that this is a hoax? I'm talking about people who have no souls. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. But Man. they're so extreme in their belief that that this all of this is a hoax. Every single one of these events is an attempt by the liberals or by the government to do some fascist sort of Hitler-esque attempt to take away people's yep. guns. Yep. It's oh, nutty. It's so I nutty. don't know. I'm, I'm racking my brain on how to fight it, and it's really hard to fight because yeah. if, if, I mean, if evidence... I mean, and they, they always claim the evidence is fake, so it's it's hard to, to deal with. Yeah. And so our next episode was unions, and I missed that, but I loved listening to that. And uh, one of the main topics was this huge court case that's coming down in the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. which hasn't been decided yet. We all think that it's going to come down against unions. Yeah. And uh, we in the unions have to figure out how to combat this. We might have a 10%, a 20%, maybe more reduction in union membership in a time when union membership is at an all-time low, when the disparity between the high-income earners and low-income earners has never been higher, and it's crazy time. It really is. And so when you look at the landscape, the political landscape right now, and you look at the states like Oklahoma or West Virginia or or Arizona, all these states that are right to work, they've basically taken away unions from teachers. And they have so weakened unions that teachers really, their only option is to strike. Yeah. And we're seeing that happen in West Virginia, Oklahoma, and Arizona, like I said. And I think it's only going to get worse if the Supreme Court decides in favor of Janus. Yeah. It, when is that supposed to come down? That always comes down early summer, huh? It could come down as early as, um, well, it could come down any day, but usually okay. I would I would say um, maybe June. Yeah, that's usually when it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about West Virginia and, and Oklahoma. That is amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm stoked for those teachers that they're stepping up. And and it should have happened a long time ago, but I think the economy now is, is on the upswing. So they can say, well, we have the money now. So if you look at something like West Virginia, for example, every teacher, I think there's 55 districts there. Virtually every teacher went on strike. Mm -hmm. Every teacher walked out. And for us in the union, we were like, yes, that's so cool. Wow, I can't believe they were so organized. Well, they had to be. The reason why they they went on strike and the reason why they went um, to the state capitol there is because they went directly to the legislators. West Virginia has made it to where there's no more collective bargaining rights that legislators 
in that state. Are you sure about that? Yes, they that is, determined. So there's no teacher unions in West Virginia at all. Now I know there are some right to work states that, and that that's say one of you, them. it's up to you. So they ended up having to go to the legislature and request money. Wow. No, but that's that. that's in itself crazy. What are the unions for then? Exactly. So they had to essentially negotiate with the state legislature and demand an increase in pay before they went back to work. And I'm stoked that they, um, I guess there was some nefarious dealings, and they agreed to go back to work, and then they found out that the original agreement wasn't adhered to, mm-hmm. and so they actually had to go back to strike to, to get their original um, agreement. Right. And then in Oklahoma, they're in a similar situation where they're in a right-to-work state, and they don't have collective bargaining rights. So in addition to that, the state is cutting budgets for education. Yeah. So they, famously, teachers were posting pictures of their classrooms falling down, desks broken. One picture was of like a stack of old textbooks that were, you know, 20 years old or older being kept together with duct tape. Yeah. And so teachers were not only walking out and going on strike to increase their own salaries, which were the lowest in the nation, but then also to improve or to increase funding for education, for public education. You know, the states, these these red states, they'll give tax breaks to corporations, to oil companies, on and on, but then they'll balk at giving money to education. Right. And Joe Biden famously said, don't tell me what your values are. Show me. Yeah. Show me in your budget. What do you spend your money on? And the states that have unions, their kids actually do better on tests. But of course. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because Republicans always say that um, teacher income has nothing to do with test scores. And they're the ones that are always saying, well, look at the horrible disparity of test scores between us and other countries. Mm-hmm. And then they're not willing to, to pay for it when you prove that test scores Ma- our, our teacher pay matters as far as test scores. Or, or they'll also say in in you know the next breath. Well, we need to pay CEOs the best right. money because they need to attract the best talent to those companies. As if that doesn't apply to teachers. Exactly. So if you pay teachers better, guess what? You're going to attract better people to the profession. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't make any sense. So that that union issue is a huge one. Yeah, that's going to be really interesting. Oh man, I'm not. Keep uh, an eye confident, but I'm hopeful. Yeah. yeah. All right. So our next uh, topic um, was movies, and that was with our great friend Jerry. And we really and we talked about movies and TV shows and series. And um, one of the topics that I really wanted to get into, but I hadn't seen the movie yet, was Black Panther. And awesome. I have seen the movie, and I realize now that all right, I understand why it's the number four, three top grossing movies of all time. Yeah. So good. So powerful. And and I love how black culture, in both its austerity and its fun-loving um, attitudes, was brought out in the movie. And it's going to be super fun to see how this plays out in, in future episodes. Oh, I know yes. I've already seen some t- movie previews, and I see how it's uh, with... Who's the main villain? What's that guy's name? Thanos. Yeah, Thanos. Oh, man. So we kind of talked about this before, but Black Panther totally sets up Wakanda, right, as being the location of the the main battle yeah, in the next it. Avengers movie. It's obvious in all the previews. It's it's going to be fun. But you, I think what was interesting about that movie was it also showed the social consciousness aspect mm-hmm. 
of how we in the United States just think, oh, well, we know everything, we're rich, we can just kind of help everyone with our money. But here is this poor, quote unquote, poor Wakandan nation that looks tribal and kind of primitive, but they're holding on to this gold mine mm-hmm. of technology and wealth and knowledge and um they're the ones who are then going to go out and kind of yeah. help the world that's going to happen man that is going to happen africa is is because technology has this ability to leapfrog mm-hmm. i mean, i really thought about this a lot what's that element that they have on black vibranium vibranium for instance we have all these connected grids in the United mm-hmm. States, right? And and they're so vulnerable. But when you have each house and each village connected to their own source of energy, mm-hmm. you know, each house connected to um, solar panels, for instance, or wind or whatever, you're so much more healthy, so much more vibrant. And Africa's going to leapfrog all these first world countries oh, yeah. in the future because they don't have all this infrastructure that's so old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. So that, that's... That movie was super powerful. Um, I haven't really watched too many movies lately, but have you seen something? We just watched Ready Player One, which is a throwback to the 80s, and Spielberg Spielberg directed it, and it was so well done. It really diverges from the book. In a good way, though, mm-hmm. because the book has is, is got so much going on, you couldn't possibly, of course, like any movie, you couldn't possibly put it all in there. Um, and it was just outstanding. I wish, actually, that people are complaining about all the, the 80s, and it's a total throwback to the 80s. All the 80s, what's it called when you, like... Like nostalgia, or... When you throw in an 80s reference. What's that called? Oh, I don't know. All like the a, 80s references. Like a reference, I guess. Yeah. So people were, were, um, were bugged by all the 80s references and for me and you grew up mm-hmm. in the 80s too yeah. there was not nearly enough and so that was like weird what's all this weird anti like throwback stuff but it was super fun um, if you read the book you're going to be maybe disappointed by the um, lack of adherence to the the, the book but um, it was super entertaining wow I, I need to see that movie it, it seems like right up my alley oh, references to my giant it looked like there were references to well, obviously, to Back to the Future. Yep. Oh, it looks so good. Yep. What's the car in Back to the Future? Oh, the, the DeLorean. Yeah, the DeLorean's in there, and oh, it's it's really fun. And then, as far as series, we're kind of in the between time right now, and mm-hmm. things are about to start. I know that um, Big Little Lies. I don't know if we talked about that. That's gonna um, happen with. I think Meryl Streep might be playing it. Oh wow! And a bunch of people re-signed up to do it. And then, we, of course, we talked about Westworld. I think that's happening like April 20th or 22nd. It's happening real soon, so that's going to be super fun. But, um, yeah, not a whole lot going on on the movies front since the last yeah. time we spoke. All right, and then we talked a little bit about death because I had a mother-in-law, a very dear mother-in-law, die. And you can't really add to what we, we, we talked about that yeah. in that episode. It was, it was profound. And um, our main point was, you know what? Don't push death to the back burner. Talk about it. Deal with it. One thing I don't know if we talked about in the last episode is the great organization Hospice. And if, if we did, then I'm going to plug them again because Hospice rocks. Hospice yeah. has been such a godsend for so 
so many people in when they're dealing with somebody who's about to die. And um, it's certainly with us and a lot of people I've spoke with since then. Thank you so much, Hospice. You rule. They're, they're awesome. And then, of course, the last couple episodes has been race. Oh, and, and so listening to those episodes, one thing that we did not talk enough about, or really at all, was Black Lives Matter and how yes. there have been so many instances of police brutality. Just uh, yesterday, um, I can't remember the city, a uh, black man had a pipe mm-hmm. and was shot to death with the pipe. Of course, we don't know the details of that one. He might have, that might have been one of those suicide by cop instances. So that guy was mentally ill, and he was walking down the street, and um, people had called the police. He was holding onto a pipe, but he was going around and pretending like it was a gun. Mm-hmm. And he was mentally ill. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, he made the fatal mistake of pointing that pipe at the police, and they killed him. Yeah, we need way more training, it seems to me, um, with police and mental illness. Uh, yeah. Man, that's been a theme with so many police shootings. And then there was that case in Sacramento recently. Um, I used to live in Sacramento, and my uncle mm. worked there as well as a, as a police officer and a detective. But, yeah, you had a guy who was in his backyard. And I don't know why he was running. They have they have video um, of him from a drone, I guess, mm-hmm. running. And I don't know what his deal was, why he was running. I don't know the full story. But um, they eventually cornered him in his own backyard. And, uh, yeah, he happened to turn in the direction of the police, and they killed him. Yeah. And he had a, all they found on him was a cell phone. Now, do you generally side automatically with the police or does it depend? Like, because as teachers, we got a lot of shit throughout the 90s, especially, but even into the 2000s, uh, as far as accountability and test scores and stuff like that. Right. And, um, and then. When I read about what the public knew, I found it lacking. Yeah. And so I think sometimes police feel like, yeah, if the public only knew what we had to deal with. And I sort of, because I know as a teacher what articles and newspapers say about us, that it's so wrong that I kind of side with police. But, man, when you get video evidence right in front of your face of mm-hmm. a police doing one thing and then saying on the record later that it was completely false right. um, and lying, it just... I don't know. And I know it's a real small percentage of police officers, but where do you stand on that whole thing? So I I usually withhold judgment immediately. Yeah, I think that's the most important thing. You have to get the details. And then when I do, I'm pretty even-handed, I feel. So there was an example in Santa Maria, where we live. This guy was standing on the street corner with a knife, and he charged the police, and they killed him. And there was a huge outcry about police brutality. And I I went back and watched the video because I had some friends who worked on that corner and they recorded the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And they posted it on Facebook. But the guy was stabbing himself. The police and he was threatening other people around him. Mm -hmm. The police had shot him with multiple Bean bags. Um, bean bags. Mm-hmm. They tased him several times, and then when he attacked the police officer with a knife, that was it. Game yeah. over. But after the fact, there's all a huge outcry against police. And then, but you have other cases where, like in Sacramento, you have that guy running away, mm-hmm. and according to the autopsy, they shot him in the back. Yeah. So you have to take it case by case, and I think what we need to do is we need to retrain our police force. And I was reading something where someone who was in the military said, you know, if if we're over 
overseas and in Iraq or Afghanistan, for example, we don't get the luxury of saying, well, he turned at me or made a fast move, so we killed him. Right. They have very strict rules of engagement. You literally have to see the person raise their weapon. You have to clearly identify a weapon and then clearly determine that they're going to fire it at you. Yeah. And it can't just be like, well, I suspect. So, you know, when we look at the data, if you're African-American and you're pulled over by a police officer, just factually, statistically, you are more likely to be killed by the police officer than if you're white, Asian, Hispanic, down the line. Yeah. And that's just a, a basic fact. And we have to confront that issue. The thing that I think police officers need to do is just confront human nature and the fact that if you screwed up, you are definitely gonna use every every weapon in your arsenal to get yourself off. I'm saying if you screwed up as far as shooting somebody who you shouldn't have shot, and that's gonna happen once in a while as a police officer. And uh, police officer organizations need to be wary of that. And when somebody screws up as a police officer and shoots somebody they should not have, there needs to be some serious, I don't want to call it um, skepticism, but I feel like there needs to be some an organization that's willing to step up and say, hey, listen, we screwed up. This guy's going to defend himself because it's human nature, mm-hmm. but um, we need to protect our profession yeah. because it's getting to the point where when, you, when people take photographs and, and video of officers obviously shooting somebody who shouldn't have been shot and then you go and defend them, it just looks so bad and police officers don't want that. They shouldn't yeah. want that. It's it's undermining our trust yeah. in the police. Right. And I don't want that because I want to be able to know that if I call a police officer for whatever reason, I'm going to be protected. Absolutely. And not killed. Yep. And I, I think that was pretty much the major thing we wanted to touch base on. Is there anything else on race? Well, Black Lives Matter, we touched on a little bit, but the fact that white people are always claiming white lives matter is disgusting it just it is it's 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 a lack of information and knowledge of the history of of blacks in the united states well they say like all lives matter well of course that is assumed but clearly we need to apparently we need to say these other lives matter as well because when you say all lives matter it's an attempt to just kind of sweep under the rug the racism that's really happening in our society yeah exactly so for music we touched on our favorite bands and our favorite um singers our favorite artists our favorite styles and genres and Gosh, I don't know that I have a whole lot to add, except that my son is going to be playing with his jazz band for the Santa Maria High School Jazz Band, my favorite song, which is Fantasy by Earth, Wind & Fire, and another Earth, Wind & Fire song, and another um, Michael Jackson song that's super, super popular, and um, a couple of funk jazz. Oh, nice. So I'm super stoked, and um, I I just love, love the late 70s, early 80s um, jazz funk um, renaissance that happened, and it's going to be so fun to, to listen to him play that stuff. I um you know I'm, I'm I'm almost done. I'll publish today episode nine on music. But my wife was listening as I was editing, and there were so many times she jumped in because she was listening. She jumped in to either kind of give a suggestion mm, or should have like, been here. She should have been here. So she would like us to revisit this, okay, and do another episode. And she'll be here. 
and she'll be here. Okay, good. So, because, you know, she was listening and she's like, oh, there were so many things I wanted to add, mm, you know? Mm. And so I, I almost, ho- I, I hope that the people who listen to our show are sitting at home or they're driving in their car with their families back from LAX or what have you. Like I did yesterday, yeah. And listening to our episode. And I hope that people are wanting to jump into the conversation and yeah. wanting to join us. Because yeah. I know I listen to podcasts and I'm like screaming sometimes at my what? phone. Did you not include like exactly. in the um, the race episode? My son yesterday was like, "Why did you not talk about Kevin Hart? We talked about all these black great comedians." And True. It was like we're just not we're old and dumb and and just not quick on our feet. <laughs> but I, and no, you know, listening to that um, podcast and editing the podcast. I did not talk about Elvis Presley at all. Oh, yes. And I love Elvis. And for a long time, people have referred to me as Elvis because I got the pompadour mm-hmm. and the sideburns. And I yeah. love Elvis Presley. And it's unfortunate that I only mentioned him on our discussion about race and cultural as, appropriation. Right. Yeah. And which is, yeah. Which is ridiculous because he's such a great artist. Like, Even though I don't like his music, he's amazing. Uh, king of rock and roll. Right. Hands down. He's got, you know, everyone knows the hits, you know. Jailhouse Rock. I mean, I love that song. Yeah. But he's got so many songs as well, like In the Ghetto, which is like his most, I think, socioeconomically or racially conscious song. I don't even know it. I'm sorry to say, Jose. I'll play the clip. I can't believe it's Presley. I don't even know. So I'll play the clip right now. People, don't you understand? You're trying to be an angry old man. Take a look at you and me Are we too blind to see? Do we simply turn our Okay. And your clips <laughs> have been amazing. Thank you. And um, uh, what is the song that I love so much by Prince? One of the only songs I... I'm caught in a trap. Oh, yes. I can't get out. What is that song? That's... um Because I love you no, too much, baby. Bum, bum. I think it's like Jealous yeah, Mind or something Jealous, like that. Yeah. Something Mind, yeah. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. So many yeah. classics. Yeah. You're going to find my, something with Elvis you love. So when you go into my classroom, right by my desk, I have a picture of Elvis with President Nixon no shaking way. hands. No way. Yes. And I just, to I'm me, that's such caring. a bizarre moment yeah. in history. Maybe like, you know, like Trump meeting Tupac or something. Or like yes. Trump meeting like Jay-Z. Yes. Or, yes. Great article if you guys want to talk about music and presidents. Um, I think it was New Yorker or Atlantic. I can't remember where. Obama um, definitely uh, had his last hurrah at the White House. He got to uh, invite all kinds of musical guests and Mm -hmm. had the concerts. But how it was just like this great celebration of black music. Yeah, they had, they had, um, hold on, listen to this. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. So the Obamas had Common perform at the White House. Mm-hmm. A rapper, I guess, spoken word artist. Yeah. Man, oh man, Fox News had a 
heyday oh, yeah. with that one. All right, it seems this administration will never learn its lesson. Tomorrow, Michelle Obama is set to host an evening of poetry and will welcome a slew of poets, musicians, students from all across the country to the White House. Among them is a controversial rapper and poet, Common. Common called for the burning of President George W. Bush. Now, the poem reads, burn a bush cuz for peace he no push no button, killing over oil and grease, no weapons of mass destruction. How can we follow a leader when this is a corrupt one? How dare you? Sully the White House, White House, you know, exactly. itself is with these artists who I don't know whose lyrics are questionable. questionable yeah, but anyway, Ooh. music. Oh, we, I just poured, by the way. Sorry, folks. The Nitro Merlin Milk Stout. Oh, yeah. beautiful. Yeah, Delicious. our last beer, our last holdout um, in the fridge from our previous episodes. We, we drank all that beer, and people don't even know. Like we're just like pouring, we're just pouring beer after beer. Oh, I know. Hopefully, we're not interrupting too much. That's a part of the show where we talk about things that we are reading in our lives or we are listening to. And shall I start? Start. Um, I have always loved, and I'm talking about them because they're playing um, in about a week. I'm trying to convince my wife to go see the concert at Santa Barbara Bowl. Alt J. Zero. Alt-J to me is, it's sort of alt-rock, and they are from England and are kind of like very choral and very experimental, not experimental, but different, mm -hmm. and but very listenable, very easy to get into, very, very um, easy to get into, and I'm hoping to convince her to go to that concert. These days, concerts cost 80 bucks, almost always, oh, yeah. and it pisses me off. Mm -hmm. I wish I had gotten into Alt-J or known about their tour before they were 80 bucks at the Santa Barbara Bowl. And the other um, band that a lot of people already know about that have a great new single, can't remember the name of it, but they um, are also playing at the Santa Barbara Bowl, which I think I'm definitely going to because my son went to it in Ventura, and that would be Portugal the Man. popular and real poppy, but also consider alternative music. If you guys haven't heard both these bands, I would definitely get into Alt-J's Tessellate and Fitz Pleasure, but you know my favorite song is Taro. Um, it's got a real Asian influence, and I love it. I have sprayed you into my eyes. As far as Portugal the Man, their newest single, I think, is Feel It Still. I just watched the Lakers two days ago, and the Laker girls were jamming it up with Feel It Still. Ooh, 
So Young is I love So Young, but get into Portugal the Man and Alt J if you guys are into alt rock. Alt rock. I love that Joel because I never listen to, and we talked about this in our last episode. I never deviate from my own little narrow, you know, scope of music. So whenever you mention these bands and I go online and look them up, your wife will definitely suck you in. Yeah, she is so good at music and exposing me to new bands. So, for our segment here, I'll talk about the only movie I've watched recently, um, which is Paul, Apostle of Christ. Whoa. Yes, it was so good. Paul was played by the great James Faulkner, and Luke, the gospel writer, was played by Jim Caviezel, who was famous for his portrayal of Christ in The Passion of Christ by Mel Gibson. And can we say straight up that without Paul... Christianity would not be a thing. It would not have flourished as much, for sure. Paul the Apostle of Christ was good on so many levels, but the one thing I will say that distinguished it from other Christian movies that are out right now is that it actually depicts genuine, authentic persecution. Early Christians were certainly persecuted violently, right? But that's the thing. And they're put to death. These movies, like... These a lot of these movies will show like, oh, we're being persecuted by the secular or atheistic culture because they're rude to us in our college course, or they're mean to us, you know, in in the in the court system, or you know, and you look at just what happens every Christmas, right? Oh yeah. Oh, oh they're not putting Merry Christmas on Starbucks cups. Mm. It's like, come on. So Paul the Apostle Christ shows the early church at its infancy, where you have the Emperor Nero carrying out legitimate persecutions. Mm. The streets are lined with the bodies of... See, people, this is persecution. This is persecution. Like, there are scenes where they're leading Christians out to the Colosseums, where they're being mauled by... You know, either gladiators or tigers or lions, like they're viciously being persecuted. Yeah. And that is persecution. Yeah. Not Starbucks not putting Merry Christmas on their yeah. cup. That's just fake news. It is. The real fake news. And I that's what I loved about that movie was this is real persecution. And Paul, throughout the movie, is in prison. And some people looked at this film and said, Well, it's not, you know, according to the Bible. Well, we know from history what happened to Paul. He went to prison. Luke went and talked with him and was able to record his final thoughts. And then Paul met an untimely execution. Mm-hmm. And that's what the movie presents. And, of course, the people who wrote the movie and directed it went in with artistic license and filled in the blanks. Yeah. But is what, this on Netflix or is this an the actual movie theater? It was in the movie wow. theater. It was really, really good. And and as I'm watching the movie, it's it's amazing to me when I look at my when I look at the Catholic Church, and it's two thousand years old, right? Yeah. And I look at this movie, and over and over and over again they refer to Emperor Nero, and they have Christians who are locked up in prison, and they're escorting them out to what's called the Nero Circus which is basically a coliseum where they would have crowds of people watch these people being murdered, <laughs> right, by lions or what have you. Oh, our cultures are so similar. I know. Right? We were, afterward, we went and, we went and had sushi and we watched UFC on You had TV. raw flesh. <laughs> so it's very similar, right? You had raw fish exactly. flesh and you watched, we watched uh, human UFC. flesh so, be pummeled. So that's the thing. And I watched this movie and I think, 
So Paul was executed, right? These Christians were being uh, persecuted in Nero's circus. Fast forward to today. Where's the Vatican built? The Vatican is literally built on what was Nero's circus. Is that right? 100%. Trip out. And guess who else besides Paul was martyred in Nero's circus? Peter. Hmm. Right? And that's what the, 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 the and, name of the basilica is St. Peter's. Peter's bones are buried right there. I've been there. When you go to Peter's Basilica, right underneath the Vatican are Peter's bones. Mm -hmm. And they have been found by um, archaeologists, Hmm. right? They're there, right there. You're going to go someday. Someday I'll go. But to me, it just connects like the 2,000-year-old church to this early church of persecuted Christians who were trying to find their way. And, you know, I have these discussions with people, and God bless them. There's this attitude of, like, well, the Bible tells you everything. Yes, to a certain extent, but not everything, right? And they don't understand that because they're looking at a they're looking at it from a point in history where we have the Bible, right? You go to any hotel oh, room, right. there's a Bible in the drawer, right? Right. Well, at that point in time, there wasn't a Bible. Right. There wasn't a Bible for 400 years. Mm-hmm. It took 400 years. So 400 years of church history without a Bible. When did the Bible first um, appear? The end of the 4th century. Is that right? Yes. Wow. So what do they do in that meantime? They couldn't go, well, check the Bible. Mm-hmm. There wasn't one. Right. How did they pass it on? It was through tradition. Right. It was from the wow. church. And that's what's so powerful about this movie. Is how is this early Christian community thriving without a Bible? Yeah. It's because they had teachers, right? They had people who are carrying on, who are passing on the traditions. And I know that word now is an ugly word in many Christian circles, but Dude, those traditions, traditions can be so fun. Survive for thousands of years. Yeah. So it was a powerful movie. If you want to see what it was like for early Christians um, in Rome, check out Paul Apostle Christ. I'm going to watch that. Right on. so good. Just like I watched the um, movie that you suggested when we talked about movies, I think it was, or maybe it was our outro. It happened in Japan. Oh, Silence. Oh, Silence, yes. So I watched Silence, and I would love to, yeah, to talk about, because I feel like there's a lot of parallels between that and the early church. I mean, it was early church, but not that early. It was, there were tons of parallels. Yeah. And it was, how do you maintain your faith in an era of persecution? Yeah. And I don't know. I still want to talk to you because I don't know whether the people there maintain the same faith that that real Orthodox Christians believe or mm. whether they said our our faith is bigger than the Christian mm. church's faith. But we'll get into we'll that. You want to get into that, yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Good. All right. That's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining us on our humble little podcast. You could do us a huge favor by subscribing to our show wherever you listen to podcasts such as Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, or iTunes. And please be sure to rate our show and leave a review. Your rating will help others find the show. And be sure to find us on Facebook and Instagram at Conversation on Tap. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. Salud. Thank you.